Coming up next on Contemplate. You want an example of what it looks like to love like Jesus loved? Look at the cross and ask yourself, am I loving like that? Because that's how he's called us and commanded us to love. We're in for another powerful episode today as Pastor David continues to help us see things the way God does. Not always easy, but it changes everything. Here's Pastor David. We can become so passive, so concerned with keeping things how they are, maintaining the status quo, where we're relatively safe and comfortable, especially kind of in this sort of suburban life that we live out here. Just keep things how they are. So many people in Nazi Germany of the 30s and 40s who were in the church were more concerned with their own safety and maintaining their own rights and maintaining their own relative wealth than they were with the murder of millions of Jews. So many in the church in the American South were more concerned with keeping the status quo and not ruffling feathers and not letting things get agitated than they were about justice. They were annoyed with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and other agitators, as they called them, who were actually out there turning the other cheek and giving up their own rights to fight injustice and segregation. The people of the civil rights movement were strong defenders of justice for the oppressed, but they weren't retaliators. They were willing to give up their own personal rights to fight for others. The people of the early church were strong defenders of justice and righteousness, but they were not retaliators. They were willing to be oppressed, murdered, sawed in two, torn to shreds in the arena by lions and wild animals, lit as torches on fire on the road to Nero's parties. They were willing to go into towns ravaged by plagues to care for the sick. And not just the Christ followers who were sick, but the idol worshipers who were sick too. Risking their own health and often dying to do it. They cared for the babies that were thrown out on the trash heaps, which was a normal part of Roman life. They went to prison. You guys ever heard of Caligula and Nero? Those were the folks that were the power structure at the time of the early church. That was the government, Caligula. Okay? And we don't hear one word from anyone in the New Testament that says, fight for your own personal rights. Is that us? Are we like the early church? Are we like those who were in the abolitionist movement? The movement for women's rights, the right to vote, the movement for, uh, to end segregation? Are we like that? Are we willing to be bitten by dogs, beaten by police, jailed and hated for the rights of other people? Are we willing to give up our rights for theirs, are willing to risk discomfort for others. God has changed many hearts because so many Christ followers have given up their rights. Not because they fought with someone because someone had offended them, but because they gave up their rights for others. God has changed hearts because people cared for their oppressors because they loved their enemies. 
That's what Jesus did for us. He loved his enemies. That's who we were and who some of us are. Those of us who have not followed Christ yet. This goes right in the last section of the passage. I'm going to read it again. We read it earlier. This is uh, 5, 43 through 48 of Matthew. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, What reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The Bible does say to love your neighbor. It does not say to hate your enemy. They added that. That's the way they were interpreting it at the time. You might remember the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus was sitting there. Some lawyer came up to him and asked, who is my neighbor? Lawyers are the worst. I'm just telling you. (laughs) Terrible. I say all the time I tell people, lawyers are terrible. Um, If you're an attorney in here, don't worry. You're in good company or bad company because I'm one too. But the the story, though, goes to talk about this Good Samaritan. And Christ's point is that everyone is our neighbor. Whether we would call them a friend or an enemy, they're all our neighbor. And we are to love our enemies, not to hate our enemies. And that should burn in our hearts for those of us who have hate. If you have hate in your hearts, if you're holding on to hatred, Jesus is calling you away from that. You are not to hate your enemies. Some of us have some pretty harsh things to say about other people. Some of us have harsh things to say about people who take maybe a different political position than us or or who have particular sin that they struggle with or who have a different religious belief, or who live in a different place, or whatever it happens to be. We have harsh things to say, or just the person that hasn't treated us right, or we don't like, or we feel insecure about, or whatever. We have harsh things to say. I wonder what we would say if we loved them. I wonder how we would talk about them if we loved them. I wonder what we would post on social media if we loved them. We are supposed to love them, bless them, do good to them, and pray for them. Is that what we're doing? There is no special historical context about this passage of Scripture that softens it. Not one iota. It stands stark there. Love your enemies. If anything... It's much worse for us because the people that Jesus was preaching to at the time that were sitting there were actually being physically oppressed. They were under an occupation by a foreign power. I don't know if you know much about Romans, but they weren't the nicest folks around. That's what they were dealing with every single day. Jesus was telling them to love the people who were literally physically oppressing them every day of their lives right then. We can hardly keep ourselves from writing this scathing Yelp review if the barista at Starbucks looks at us funny right? I can't even believe. One star. These people have Roman soldiers like up in their business just oppressing them and they're supposed to love them. We can't even, we have a hard time loving our buddies, our families. We've got a long way to go, I think. 
We are to love our enemies. And Jesus tells us why. Why? That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. We are to be like God. We are to be like Jesus. God loves us, and he loved us when we were his enemies. And if he didn't love us when we were his enemies, Jesus never would have died for us. He never would have died for you. He never would have died for me. He never would have reconciled us to God and risen again. Jesus has been good to you your whole life or you would have been utterly destroyed the first time you yanked on your little sister's hair just to watch her scream. I know you wicked little kids. I know how you were. I had children too, and I was one. I know your heart because it's like mine. We were his enemies. Some of you still are. You haven't chosen to follow Christ yet. And yet you have been shown incredible grace already and patience When Jesus says, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust, he's talking about something many people call common grace. Common grace. Here's the thing. You were made in the image and likeness of God, and God loves those who he created in his image and likeness. Everyone, every one of you, every person, every person that you think is your friend, every person that you think is your enemy, he loves all of them. All of them. When you were his enemy, when you hated him, when people hate him, whatever, he loves all of them, even though they may still be his enemies. And he's been good to all of them. He's made his son rise on the evil and the good and sent rain on the just and the unjust. Psalm 145, 8-9 says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. Luke 6, 35-36. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Acts fourteen seventeen. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without a witness, in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Have you ever had a good time? Ever? Because if you've ever had a good time, it is an absolute grace because you didn't deserve it. It was a good gift from God. It's unmerited favor, grace, common grace. Every breath that you take is grace. Grace, a gift from a God who you have made your enemy and for the Christ follower who he has reconciled. That's his heart. He loves you. He loves you. And that's got to be the heart of his children, us. If we're going to be good children of our good, good father, we got to be like him. He gives us grace, even when we were his enemies, even when we were sinners. Did you know that he was still giving you common grace and keeping you from doing as much sin as you might have done? which is a scary thing for me when I think about how wicked I was. And he was still restraining some of that. The fact that you have a conscience, that you know the difference between right and wrong, that's grace. His patience is grace. But here's the thing, and I got to tell you this part of it too. His common grace will not last forever for the rebel and the enemy of God. It will not last forever. Nahum 1.3. 
in the Old Testament says this, the Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. There is a reckoning coming. It's God's patience that is his grace right now. He is slow to anger, incredibly slow. I can't even count to 10 when I'm angry. It's been thousands of years and he's hanging on for us rebellious people because he loves us so much. But it is not infinite, his patience. The wrath of God is coming for the unbeliever and the rebel. I'd be lying to you if I said anything else. Maybe some of you don't want to hear that. Maybe it keeps you up at night, and it should. It should. If you will not turn away from your sin and accept the free gift of grace from Jesus Christ, justice will eventually come. You will eventually experience it. No more common grace. I don't want that for you. God doesn't want that for you. God loves you. He does not want it for you so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for you and for me. And he raised him from the dead, defeating hell and sin and death. And he made mercy triumph over judgment. And that's all yours if you'll follow him. That's why the Christ follower has what some people call special grace. Special grace. This is a grace of salvation. It's beyond common grace. It's special grace. It's undeserved, even more undeserved. And it's for the believer. There's a special grace for those who put their hope and faith in Jesus Christ and follow him with all of their heart. I would call it something a lot more than special. I would call it unthinkable, amazing, awesome, incredible, glorious grace. Because that's what it's been for me. I was a wicked, rotten, rebellious sinner. And I have been gloriously saved by Jesus Christ. Talk about special grace. King of kings who died and rose from the dead loves me. And he loves you. Jesus Christ gave up his rights for me. Who am I to exercise all of mine against you? If I want to be his disciple. Look, it's easy to love those who love you. So I... We don't have to put in the Bible, love people who are nice to you. Like, make sure you enjoy cake and ice cream. Yeah, I know. I'm going to enjoy cake and ice cream. You have to write it down. I've I've lived that theology, okay? Listen, it's easy to love those who love us, although we don't always do that. But if we're to be children of God, if we're going to be like God, our good Father, our Father in heaven, we will love everyone. We will not hate, we will love everyone. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. How did he love us? He gave up his rights for us. He was willing to die for us. You want an example of what it looks like to love like Jesus loved? Look at the cross. And ask yourself, am I loving like that? Because that's how he's called us and commanded us to love. Not just our friends, not just our family, not just the people who it's easy. Not just the people who are just like us, not the people who just act just like us, not the same kind of culture as us and whatever. But everyone all over the world, that's the call that you have. To love as Jesus 
loves. And boy, does he love you. He would go to the ends of the universe for you, and he did. And we will be perfect. Not because we can be perfect in our own power, but because the Holy Spirit of God will empower us to live in the power of his spirit. Don't tell me it's too hard. I know it is. I've seen your lives and mine. I know it's too hard to be perfect. That's what his awesome grace is all about. You need to know who you are, Christian. Know who you are. You are a child of the king. You are a child of God. You are part of the body of Christ. You have his Holy Spirit. Live like it. Live like it. Don't live in your own strength. Live in the power of his strength. That's the amazing life he has for you. Listen, I've got kids, and I don't think I've ever told them to do something that I didn't know they could do. And that I wouldn't have helped them do if they couldn't do it on their own. How much more so would our God never tell us to do something that he didn't know that we could do? Because he does not suggest, but he commands us. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven as perfect. It's a command. He's not going to give you the command if you can't do it. And you can't do it except through him. But you can be perfect. Don't live in this defeatist attitude that you hear people say, hey, we're all, nobody's perfect. We're all sinners, so it's okay that I do this, that, or the other thing. It's not okay. It's not okay. The Holy Spirit will empower you to live in his power. He would not tell us to be perfect unless he was going to give us the means to do so. And that means it's his Holy Spirit. So let's live in victory, not in defeat. And let's move, forget what is behind, and move forward to the heavenly call of perfection. He can do it. He is doing it in you now. He's making something new in you. So confess your sins and repent and move forward in his power. Love your enemies. Don't retaliate. Now, if you're struggling in this area of anger, maybe retaliation, showing the love of Jesus, or anything else, we'd love to help. Call us at 360-885-9000 or send us an email. Use info at axchurchnw.org. Even better, come see us at Axe Church this Sunday morning. Get easy directions and all the info you need at axechurchnw.org. Always great to have you with us, and I hope you'll check out the next episode for more great Bible teaching from Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate. Contemplate.